Happy holidays and happy new year, my friends. I'm so excited to ring in 2023 with you all via your earbuds. And I am really excited to bring you the guest this week, which I think is a perfect way to start a more well new year. Dana Frost is a wellness expert and host of the Vitally You podcast, shining a light on how you can feel younger while growing older. Dana is a body, mind, and spirit alchemist who educates and coaches women toward optimal health so they can enjoy vibrant lives. She uses the functional nutrition lens, food and nature as medicine, the wisdom of their own bodies, and the practice of Kayut yoga. Dana has a lifelong commitment to continuing education, including certifications as a master life coach, aromatherapist, heart math facilitator, Myers-Briggs facilitator, light therapist, and functional nutrition and lifestyle practitioner. Dana's rich life experiences include navigating the challenges and joys as a mom for 29 years to five children, 32 years of marriage, and living abroad for 10 years, empowering her coaching practice. Those are all of the amazing titles and roles that Dana holds. But ultimately, as I told her, we just speak on a human level in this episode. And that's always my goal. She breaks down what it is to be a body, mind, and spirit alchemist and takes us on her journey, her own wellness journey and what came of that, which is quite a bit. And I know that you all will find pearls of wisdom in this journey. Without further ado, here we go with Dana. All right. I am so excited to be here with my new friend, um, Floridian friend, half the time of the year, uh, Dana Frost. We connected over email initially and then had a phone conversation. And I just really felt connected to her journey and the ability for that journey and its resulting insights to resonate with all of you. So I'm really excited to have you on, Dana. Oh, Claudia, I am so excited to be here. I love having these conversations and yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Excited to dive in. First though, we will go over the question that I ask everyone, which is what does true wellness mean to you? That's such a great question, Claudia. And I have to take it back to connection to oneself and you know, we're all unique. And so for me, that means that I am just having this conscious experience and I'm connected to my breath, to my body, to my feelings, to the experience, to the people I'm with, the ambiance I'm in. And I'm aware of what's happening in my nervous system. And I'm able to moderate that and just take care of that. Um, Does that make sense? Absolutely. I love the focus on consciousness and awareness. Mm -hmm. I know that that's been brought up maybe a few times in the past, but I think for that being the focus, maybe that might be um, the first time. And I love it because I do think that our connectivity to that is so important. Our awareness can guide us and um, our intuition can talk to us. And so instead of us following a set of rules for wellness, being Mm -hmm. um, conscious and aware and present is is a fantastic way to prioritize our approach to wellness. So thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm, You're welcome. All right. I know you have a really vibrant and dynamic background because we talked about it. And 
Our listeners can already tell by the way that you pronounce my name, which is lovely, by the way, that you have had some international experience. Oh. <laughs> um, and so I would love for you, and I know it's close to impossible to encapsulate the variety of experiences you've had and kind of your journey into anything super concise. But if you can kind of just take us through a brief story of where you've been and what's led you to the work that you do today. Oh, wow. Okay. Let's, let's see how concise I can make this and share the pertinent, the pertinent information. So let me just say that I am a Midwesterner at heart. So I was born and raised in the Midwest and, but I always had this desire to see the world, even though, you know, I was raised in a loving family, but they really didn't have, you know, our, our, travel was camping and boating and that was all really wonderful but there was this seed in me to see the world and um as soon as i could study a foreign language i was in 6th grade no 7th grade i started studying french so i just i like to preface that because that seed took me to where i met someone who also wanted to live abroad so we ended up moving abroad. We lived in South America for eight years. We moved, we were in Switzerland briefly. Um, I said South America for eight years. We were in Brazil for eight years and Argentina for two years. Um, so that that's very much a part of my story. And as is in terms of like professionally, I, I went to college and studied social work. So my professional background is social work. So when we moved abroad, I had, we had three very young daughters and I had been in the social work profession. Fast forward, we're living in Brazil. It's 2000 and 2003. And we adopted two children who were brother and sister by their mother. And I really needed some support, both of, um, well, they came with um, a significant amount of early childhood trauma. And I, I just felt like I could use some support, Claudia. And so I ended up hiring a friend who had become a life coach. So she was living in the U.S. I was in Brazil. And she said, Dana, I think that, you know, I think that what I'm doing as a life coach could be supportive. And so I hired her. I, I trusted her. I thought, well, let's give it a try. And it was really transformational. It was it was a, a process that felt very positive and you know, I had I could only see her once a month because it was it was really expensive. And we didn't have, it's not like we had Zoom or WhatsApp. We were working on a Skype phone line that I had to pay for, but I saw her once a month and I did my work. I used the tools. I, um, I just, I did the work and I found it to be transformative. And so, you know, after, well, I was still in the process, but I thought I'm going to, I want to do that. I want to be a life coach. And so in 2006 and 2007, um, into 2008, I did my life coach training and I started working with women in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and then they were making big life changes. So then I followed that up with the woman who trained me as a coach, Dr. Martha Beck, and did her master coach training. So that set me on this trajectory of being in the coaching profession Fast forward, we moved back, we moved to Switzerland, we moved back to the US and I have a health crisis in 2011. And I had been very tired. I, I won't go into those details yet because I'll let you, you know, you can, I'll give you kind of the overview. That health crisis 
took me on a healing journey where I felt, I really felt alone. Um, Conventional medicine, although they were able to implant a pacemaker so that my heart, the electrical conduction of my heart was now pacing. Um, I was still very fatigued and, and, you know, I was told it's in your head. You're imagining this, your heart is working fine. And it set me, you know, down the path of first looking to conventional medicine and, and finding that they just didn't have the answers because I knew how I felt in my body and I knew that it wasn't just in my head. And so I, you know, started doing my own research and discovered the work of heart math, which we can go into later if you're interested. And then eventually after seeing, you know, after being told by my gynecologist, well, you just need to go to on antidepressants, you're in perimenopause, that's what women do your age. And I knew, I knew, no, I'm not depressed. There's something else going on, but I don't think that I am depressed. So eventually I found an integrative physician who sat down with me and wanted to know all of my history from birth to that point. And she took the time to listen to my life story, my health history. And then she decided, well, we need to do some, you know, we need to look at your adrenals. We need to look at your gut health. And through all of her, you know, the different labs that she did, we discovered there was gut dysbiosis, H. pylori, a parasite. I did have adrenal fatigue and we started the healing journey. Um, I started seeing an acupuncturist once a week. That was, you know, she said, this is the banquet table of how you, you choose one thing. Let's choose one thing and focus on that one thing. So I chose um, traditional Chinese medicine, and I started to feel better. But you know, that process, I just felt alone. I, I don't have, you know, the reasons for it. Maybe it was because I was at that time, I actually decided to pull back from work. And I felt at that point in my life disconnected from my husband. Um, I was very busy with my children, my daughter, Simultaneously with the pacemaker, we launched our oldest who um, off to college. There were just a lot of things going on. And I was going through this healing journey, what felt like very much alone. And that eventually, as I healed, inspired me to want to walk with women who are having a healing crisis and or women who besides life coaching, they really want to take a look at their health and they want to have dominion over their health outcomes. So that's, you know, that's really what inspired where I am today professionally. It's very much so interwoven with that personal story and a decade long um, engagement with stress at different levels, you know. So let me just pause there and, and then let you, you know, go where you want to go. Yeah, no, this is a really robust and dynamic history that leads into a lot of parallels of my own life and the work that I do. And so I think it'll be a really great discussion into parts of this. I would love to go into all of it, but I know just for time, like, because there really is quite a few areas here that could be valuable for insights. And so I'm going to try to pull out as much as I can, but I would love to hone back in onto the health crisis in 2011. And you've mentioned the word alone quite a bit. And I think that there's hmm. 
a lot behind that. Um, it's it's clearly a focus of yours, and it's clearly a feeling of you know isolation and separation and disconnection that is significant enough for you to bring that up so much. So I'm wondering if you can expand mm-hmm. a bit on this health crisis and the feeling of isolation that occurred during your experience with conventional medicine, because I think a lot of people feel this way and have come (laughs) to accept that this is just the way it is. I'm kind of, you know, on this Island trying to figure it out all alone and that's what I'm supposed to do. And we, you know, we live in a society that's very, you know, you got this, you know, just do it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of just verbiage that maybe isn't tied to the medical system, but all kind of, all kind of ends up being tied to everything. Um, And so I'm wondering if you can expand a bit on, on the isolation that you felt during that time. Actually, I would love to, Claudia, thank you for asking, because it is such a salient point, because what I have since learned through working with people is that oftentimes when there is a health crisis where there's not an easy, so the pacemaker, right, the burned out electrical condition, conduction of my heart, that was an easy fix. Um, Implanting a pacemaker, it's it's a non-invasive surgery. It's, um, you know, I think I stayed one night. No, actually it was, was I even in the hospital overnight? I mean, it's very non-invasive. Um, that would, that actually was a quick fix. The unusual part is that I was a 45 year old woman and they had never seen this, um, a burned out electrical conduction of the heart for no apparent reason. They ruled out the other reasons why that would happen. And so I think that that, you know, just starting with that, um, there was no, we really couldn't, from from the doctor's perspective, there were no real answers for that. And so it, it took me inward to be very curious about what I had experienced for a decade leading up to the burned out electrical conduction of my heart. Um, but when you, you know, when someone has a health crisis and it's not you know, their fatigue, or for me, it wasn't pain, but for many people, it's pain, um, fatigue on my end, where the answers aren't clear. And conventional medicine, they don't, if they don't have, if it's not black and white, they have a hard time wrapping themselves around it. And so we are conditioned to believe that we go to our doctor And they're the ones who have the answers for what's happening with our body. And if they don't have the answers, we, we, you know, we can feel confused. I was confused. I wanted answers because I was so tired and I was trying to, you know, also take care of my family. And I've, I've always been somebody who loves to cook and eat healthy. Like I was juicing back in the early nineties before it was a thing. So, you know, I, I thought my diet was pretty clean, you know, it was a home cook and had whole foods. So that loneliness, um, you know, when you're going to, because I went to the endocrinologist, I went to my gynecologist, they sent me to a cardiologist to just verify if the you know, structure of my heart was working properly besides the electrical conduction. And, um, 
you know, when those play, you know, when those professionals that we're taught to seek answers from, when they don't have the answers and they look at you sort of like, this is in your head, you know, you're left to figure it out on your own. If, if you're not satisfied with not feeling well. So I, I'm not, I'm not satisfied with feeling tired. I want to feel, I want to have energy. I, I knew what it felt like to, to be able to go about your day and, you know, um, have the, have capacity for what's on your plate to do. And, you know, I just didn't have, I mean, at that point, like social media wasn't as well developed, you know, you can find so much, you know, now we have all the, all the conditions are on, on social media and adrenal fatigue is more well, it's talked about more. So that feeling of loneliness, I think really stemmed from me needing to, I guess the loss of innocence, Claudia, the loss of innocence that, wow, what I thought, where I thought the answers were, where I, the, the system I thought I could trust, that trust is not really there anymore. And so thankfully there were authors who were writing about these things. So I found solace in um, a book called When the Heart Speaks. I found solace in a book called Why Tired and Wired, I think it is Tired and Wired, about adrenal fatigue. And so it was a solo journey. I was looking for to heal myself, um, you know, just alone at home in the in-between spaces of living life. And, you know, eventually I said, I think it was, let's see, eight months later, I finally got into this integrative internist and it was just amazing. I'll never forget sitting in her office and she was looking me in the eye and it was as if time didn't exist and she was wanting to hear what my story was. No one until that point was asking me that. The other, you know, the, the gynecologist, it was just really in and out. Oh, you need, you just, you know, it was the prescription. You need antidepressants. The endocrinologist, oh, you're pre-diabetes, but hey, nothing to worry about yet. Which now that I've studied, I realize, oh my goodness, I actually turned back those numbers just organically on my own by, you know, fueling my body for adrenal fatigue, which meant I cut out that, you know, first morning coffee, I cut out sugar. And so I was already without knowing it, turning back that pre-diabetes diagnosis. And so let me pause there. Um, and just to see if you have anything you want, you want to ask me or add. Yeah, I think this is such a great conversation. And I really appreciate you sharing all these parts of your journey, because I know, I know from working as a patient advocate for the last almost six years that this is going to definitely resonate with a lot of people. These are words and feelings and emotions that I hear um, quite a bit with, of course, differing details, but we're definitely mm -hmm. having a similarity in our collective human experience mm -hmm. around what's broken in our traditional healthcare system. And I always like to, you know, for those maybe who aren't as familiar with my work, um, I always like to preface, you know, going down this path that I don't fault 
the providers of the medical care. You know, I mm-hmm. know how physicians are trained and it mm-hmm. is extremely lacking. And um, so they are doing the best they can with the resources they have, and they just don't have all of the knowledge and resources to to take this expanded approach, nor do they have the time in a burden system. So I always like to make sure if you're listening to me for the first time, this mm-hmm. is not a one-sided um, uh, approach that I take in having a conversation around this. But what I really do want to bring to light is this feeling of isolation that you've talked about and described in detail throughout your journey and how it relates to the fact that we, and I, I'm writing a book right now, and I have an entire chapter on unlearning, and and we do learn over time at a very young age that, doc, I mean, you know, some people have a different experience, but in general, doctors have, have the answers to our medical woes, right? We, we learn that at a young age, and you know, if we go in with an earache or, um, you know, a cold or whatever, we go to the doctor and we learn that we go, we go see the doctor and they give us a piece of paper that has the prescription to what we, what needs to happen to fix whatever's going on. And if they don't know, then that's a problem. <laughs> like if they don't know what's happening, then mm-hmm. we, we must be out of the norm. You know, we are not mainstream. We are not the Hallmark case. So something must be wrong with us. And um, like so wrong that even the doctors can't figure it out. And so that can get very internalized. And, um, and, you know, physicians in general are taught what are common, you know, what are the common diagnoses? What are the common symptoms that lead to these diagnoses? What are the common demographics of the person who has these symptoms? And if you're outside of those lines, I can, it's very much a feeling of isolation. And now what if the one person who has all the answers doesn't have the answer, then I'm really off on an island all by myself. Um, So I completely understand how you could have felt that way in that scenario. And I also have myself had many interviews, both with clients and myself with integrative and functional physicians. And it is a completely different approach going through every decade of life and your experiences and your, you know, any emotional trauma, your living in conditions. And these are things that just are not addressed in the conventional way. Um, so I appreciate you sharing all of that. I want to bring in, you know, I, I was looking over your website and I always feel like our, our websites as business owners are like our homes, you know, like our digital (laughs) homes. And so I really do think that we, when we curate the content we want on there, it's very, I mean, for most of us, it's very intentional. And so you have Mm -hmm. a quote by Eckhart Tolle that I think ties into what you just mentioned. And it says, a human being has so many skins inside Mm -hmm. covering the depths of the heart. We know so many things but we don't know ourselves. And I'm wondering if we can segue from this sort of isolation, putting historically being taught to put our medical, you know, concerns and care into the hands solely of doctors and not necessarily being taught how to look inside and find the answers and know ourselves and know our bodies and know what the symptoms might be trying to tell us. What did you learn along the way with regard to that? Okay, you are incredibly insightful and intuitive that you pulled that quote, um, because actually it's very significant. It is in there purposefully, and it has to do with, um, I will share with your audience, I had waited for that appointment with this integrative physician, and I, I just couldn't wait to see her, and I was holding on almost probably at some level holding my breath um, in hopes that she would have the answer. So I show up at her office 
and they say, we don't have an appointment for you. And my heart just drops. And I was, um, I was a month early. I had it in my calendar on the wrong date. And I left that office in not in tears with the receptionist, but I left that office in tears. And I, and I honestly, speaking of the isolation, I left these, you know, these appointments I had looking for the answers. I left in tears every time as I walked back to my car. And, but I will tell you that month in between when I thought the appointment was and when it actually was, that's when that quote really struck a chord for me and entered every cell, every tissue in my body. And I, what I learned during that month was, oh, I'm looking for the answers. I'm waiting for someone else to save me. And it's me. I need to look to me. Um, the answers are within me. Even if somebody else has some tools and insights, I need to be connected with me, with myself, with my soul. Um, this is where, when I talked earlier about that, what does wellness mean to me? This connection with myself every moment that I'm aware of what I'm experiencing and I'm present, even with the people that I'm present with in the moment. And that's that quote, that's what it means that, that this is where this quote came in is I need to know myself and my experience at deeper levels. And that's actually where the healing begins. It led me down to this, for me, my framework. Oh, I am creating my reality. Oh, you know, this, this disease starts in my thoughts and those thoughts become emotions and those emotions are inner is creates this energy. And if I don't metabolize and be present with whatever I'm experiencing so that I can metabolize it, be present with it and let it go, it's going to become stuck in my tissues. So that's what that quote means to me. It's just such a powerful, um, those are powerful words from, from me. Yeah, I do think they're powerful. And I actually love Eckhart Tolle's work and had never seen or heard of that quote. So I appreciate you sharing it so we can all uh, understand where it struck a chord for you and then also allow it to to do whatever it needs to do for each of us individually as well. So I really appreciate you sharing that both on your website and here verbally. I think there's just so much, I mean, like the hairs on my arms go up whenever I talk to a guest about topics like this because they're just not talked enough about. And I know how much hope it can give to an individual to know that just because an individual physician doesn't necessarily have an answer for you does not mean the answers don't exist. And most often the answers are within. And so I would love to know, there may be people listening who are hearing this for the first time, or even if it's the second time, they might be thinking that makes sense. And I could imagine that that could be very powerful, but I don't know how to access that. I don't, I've never accessed my intuition. I don't know how to seek answers within. It hasn't been modeled for me. You know, my family didn't do that. So if you were to, you know, even just describe kind of some of the steps you took, or even maybe some steps you walk your 
coaching clients through, um, what would be sort of your guidance in that area? Yeah. So this is where, um, the tool that I found that is a really easy gateway is heart math. Are you familiar with heart math, Claudia? A little bit, but I would love for you to expand. Yeah. So HeartMath is a research institute based in California. They have been doing research for decades on the connectedness between your heart rate variability. So you see the electrical conduction of your heart and your nervous system through the vagus nerve, the vagus nerve starting in the brain, traveling down, moving through all of your organs, including your heart going down and into the brain, into the gut, and then sending signals about what's happening back to the brain. So then the brain is going to, you know, say, do this, do that to, to the body. So, um, they have, they discovered that through the electrical conduction of your heart, but using your breath. So they're the breathing techniques that they have scientifically researched um, tapping into what we they would say is the intelligence of your heart um, through these breathing techniques and using so the heart, um, the electrical conduction of your heart, people can feel that whether they're conscious of it across the room. If we look at the and this is can be measured um, on devices. If you look at the brain waves, they barely can be measured outside the body. So they, you know, they don't leave the brain waves don't really leave um, the body very far as the heart waves do. So they, um, by using heart focus, so their breathing techniques, there are many, but I'll share a couple so that the listeners can try them. They're very, very easy. You, this is a visualization. So you visualize the inhale and exhale to flow to and from the heart center. And I always have my clients start with the work of Dr. Andrew Weil, which is the physical breath that enters just, you know, your the health, there are four qualities of a healthy breath. And this is, you know, you're breathing. If you're just working, you're talking, you're going about your day, your physical breath enters through your nose and you exhale exhale through your nose and it goes deep, it's slow, it's quiet and it's regular. So it goes deep, it goes, enters your nostrils and it goes and it inflates your stomach. There's a regularity to it. So if you're thinking about your heart rate variability, when your breath is regular, the inhale and exhale are roughly the same, that guides your heart rate variability to have regularity, the uptick, in an echocardiogram and the down tick, they create a pattern where the up and down are rhythmic, regular. It's slow, which is an indication to the nervous system that you're not in fight and flight and it's quiet. So unless there's an obstruction, other people should not hear you breathing. So what what they have found is that when other people can hear you breathing, if there's not an obstruction, the nervous system is dysregulated. So physically, the breath is deep, slow, quiet, and regular. But from a visual perspective, when we're tapping into the energy of the heart, we visualize the inhale and exhale to flow to and from the heart center. That's called heart-focused breathing. That begins to um, bring this regularity to heart rate variability and calms the nervous system. So when the nervous system is calm, what they found in heart math is that we make better decisions. We have um, coherence. Uh, 
um, that's like in our decision-making in the way that we're engaging with people, we have greater resilience where that's our bounce back. When something happens, you know, we can have, we can be rattled. Like we were talking before we started Claudia, that I had this, I've had these tech issues all morning and, you know, you made the comment, well, if you're stressed, you know, let's, we could reschedule. And because I'm practicing heart math all the time, I have bounce back. I have resilience. So we're all going to have stress, right? Like we can't, we can't, we are humans living in a modern world. And as humans, I believe we're actually meant to be really connected to nature. And so in many ways, just the modern world creates this condition where we're less connected to nature. We're, we're shielded from nature on many levels. And so, um, let's see where I was. Um, so, you know, when we're using, when we're, um, tapping into the intelligence of the heart using heart math in hell exhale through the heart center, we have this resilience, this bounce back, we have coherence and it's just so simple, Claudia. So what, what I like to say, tapping into your intuition, it's start with your breath because the breath it's the gateway, it's the connection between the physical and the spiritual world. The breath, it's what you can't see. So it's spirit. It's the first thing you do when you come into this world. It's the last thing you do when you transition. So by using the breath, you're connecting to your spirit. You're connecting to your physiology through your heart rate variability and through the inhale and the exhale. And um, that's to me, that really is the gateway. It's a very simple gateway. We all have to breathe. It's very easy to bring your attention. Is my breath physically, is it deep, slow, quiet, regular? And then can I tap in to visualize the inhale and exhale to come from the heart center? Um, and from there, we we have the inner, we've got so many different heart math techniques, but I would just invite your listeners to the inner ease technique where you visualize the feeling of inner ease, you call up that feeling of inner ease and guide the feeling of inner ease to flow to in the heart, to and from the heart center. So this is tapping into your energy body. I don't, I could feel that when I just said that the feeling of inner ease flowing to and from the heart center, I can literally feel this energy that flows. It glides to and my, to and from my heart center with ease. And I feel just this sense of calm wash over my whole body. Um, so, you know, that's a really nice place to start. And then you can, you can ask, you have begin having these conversations with your intuition, you know, is there something I should know about this situation right now? Um, and you listen and you wait and it's not always audible, but it can, you can get words in your head. If you get words in your head, don't ignore them. They're real. It's your intuition speaking to you. If you, some people have clear, clear, that's clear audience. Some people have clear sentience where they just have this feeling and this sense. Um, some people have visions that come to them when they tap in and, and ask the heart to speak to you. Um, does that make sense? A hundred percent. It makes sense to me. Now I will say maybe 10 years ago, I would have said, okay, that sounds really fantastic for you, but I don't know what you're talking uh -huh. about. Um, no, I think you, you explained it very well. I think my point is that once the door opens for us to 
realize all the answers aren't in our analytical thinking brain like society tries to tell us. And also all the answers are not external from us, like in the hands of a physician. Um, And we can at least start by accepting that and then realizing that there is another way, a much more beautiful way that comes with a lot of flow and ease. And then practicing these just like we would work on any muscle. Um, So even if somebody listening this sounds very unfamiliar, you know, just not territory that you've chartered before. Um, I encourage you to even just start with the very doable ways that were just explained, because even like you mentioned, just connecting to the breath. I remember before I really worked on these things for myself and really kind of went down my spiritual path. I, even when my dad was sick and, um, you know, I was deep into, to grief uh, you know, my acupuncturist would say, how has your breathing been? Cause it feels very shallow. And I would be completely shocked by that even being a topic of discussion. And like, I don't know, I don't pay attention to my breathing. I have no idea if I'm breathing normally mm-hmm. or not normal. I just had no, there was no connection between my thought patterns or my feelings and how my, my breath was. And, and just bringing that up, you know, just a practitioner bringing that up was so foreign to me. And so if that feels foreign to any of you listening, it's, it's okay. It's normal because we aren't taught these things. And so that's why this Mm -hmm. conversation is so important to, so you just start realizing, yeah, it's, it's accessible at any time of day to really just connect to your breathing. And I love the heart focused breathing as well. I think that's super powerful. So I appreciate you going through some of those tangible beginnings of practices that really can be super, super powerful. Um, I would love to know, and I was, um, as we wrap up in the next 10 or so minutes, um, you mentioned sort of, and, and I'm, you know, I always talk a lot on my content and, you know, social media posting and stuff about not being a super big fan of titles and roles and always trying to kind of let those go because we hang on to those. But I was intrigued by a title that you, um, use to identify yourself or at least explain the work that you do. And you use the term body, mind, and spirit alchemist. And I just was really intrigued by that. And so I would love to segue into what that means to you and what it looks like to work with you. So what does it look like to, to be coached by you? Yeah. Thank you for asking. And I, I want to briefly say, I love that you highlighted this idea that if it's foreign to you, and that you had this moment when you, you know, you started being cured, you know, when, when a practitioner said to you, your breath is this, I remember when I started my coach training, the foundational coaching tool is called the body compass and the body. I just share this because it was also foreign to me when I did my coach training, this idea that my body was speaking to me and, you know, what are my tight shoulders saying to me and what's the shallow breath saying to me? And I was like, what? It was just like I had entered a different world. And so I wanted just to give your listeners a resource that I think is really interesting. It's called The Body Keeps Score. Um, That's a book that could be really interesting because the body is, our bodies are always communicating with us moment by moment. And we just have to open the door and say, okay, we're going to pay attention. And it's through tracking, which has to do with one way that one of the things I do with clients. Okay. So I wanted just to preface that. Um, So this body, mind, spirit alchemist. So when we, you know, in alchemy, you're transforming something 
and you're creating something new. And it's this, this energetic interaction that happens. So um, when we have a health crisis, it's never one thing. It's never just the body in isolation. Even if we look at the body, it's never just one system of the body in isolation. Like for example, my health crisis, it wasn't just the electrical conduction of my heart. It was tied into this decade of stress I had. It was tied into my mental framework in terms of how I, um, my narrative about the things that that were ha- were happening in my life, and how that impacted my physiology, my emotional experience, my spiritual experience. So all of those things they're unique for each person. Each person has their own alchemy, and so. From my, you know, it was my, my step up to create my own alchemy between the body, mind, spirit. And we use that body, mind, spirit. We use that so loosely, but it's really so very sacred that we, this idea that we come as a human and we have these different aspects of our experience and they're interrelated and one, you can't move one without impacting the other and how you harmonize it, harmonize them. That's the alchemy. You, this, that's the alchemy. And so, you know, in my work with my clients, my perception, they're creating the own, their own alchemy. I'm guiding them. I'm holding the sacred space and I'm able to provide tools but the work, the really heavy lifting is their work to do. And then they're the ones creating the alchemy. They're the ones creating, taking what the situation that they have or the situation I had, and then, you know, creating something like now I have energy. I feel vibrant. You know, I feel younger than I did back then. I I feel, you know, I have this new purpose and, and, you know, new visions and, um, so that's that's really the alchemy and that's what it means. So to work with me, it's, you know, I have my tool set, um, but we're really working on spiritual level, emotional level, the mindset and the physiology. We're working on all those levels together. I, I love that. I want to point out that while you were talking, I noticed that it was 11-11, at least on the East Coast, and specifically when you were talking about Body Keep Score, which is a book that's been on my list for a really long time. So I might be getting a message to read it, but also you all listening might be getting a message to read it as well. So I just wanted to point that out in case anybody needed to uh, have a little bit of an emphasis on that. But I, I love the body, mind, spirit, alchemy description. And I think that that is um, really beautiful. In fact, my last podcast episode was all around um, sacred nature. And so I love that sacred came up in our conversation as well, because I think that's also a very beautiful and descriptive word. And um, and I also love that the way that you work with your clients is utilizing a tool set and providing them a tool set, because I think ultimately that gets down to our journeys throughout this life is what tool set have we gained on our journeys to be able to handle situations that come. And I'm even constantly talking to my son about this is 
if we're in a situation, you know, what tools have you learned? What, you know, we work a lot on mindset and um, meditation and, and in this scenario, if you were to open up your toolbox, what might be a tool we could use in this situation? And so I, I love that you use that term because I use it often also both in personal life and professional. And so I think that it's really, really valuable for us to provide our clients in whatever setting that we're coaching or mentoring in with the tools to be able to feel empowered because, you know, the goal is certainly not to have them be dependent on needing to reach out to us, but rather empowering them with the tools that they can utilize in their own lives and situations that arise. So, um, so I love all of that as we wrap up and I will include the links to both your website and the books that you have referenced. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you would like to share with the audience before we wrap up? Hmm. Um, wow. Just kind of listening for what, what would, what would be important to share. I think that if we go back to this idea of loneliness and, um, Don't be afraid to, don't be afraid to reach out to someone, find someone who can be in your, you know, on your team and be with you. I think that, you know, we've become insular over the past couple of years and we can feel it just, you know, out in the world. I don't know if this resonates with you, Claudia, but we can feel that we have become more insular and we need human contact. We need physical you know, skin on skin, human contact with people. And so we don't, we don't need a lot, but if you're in a situation where you're having a healing crisis, find one person, have one person who can be on your team and risk being vulnerable, risk being, you know, transparent, authentic, and open and say that you need support, you need help. Um, you need someone just to listen. I think that we all like, what is the felt need of every human is to be seen and heard, to be seen and heard. Why was it so powerful when Dr. Ryu sat down with me and listened to my story? Because we need to be seen and heard. And immediately when we're seen and heard, there's a level of that. There's at least part of the weight that we're carrying is lifted. And so allow, but we have to allow ourselves to be seen and heard. So find someone that will see and hear you. And conversely, be someone who's willing to see and hear other people. Beautiful way to wrap up. Thank you so much, Dana. I so appreciate this conversation and the work that you do. And thank you for being a beautiful soul. Aww, thank you, Claudia. It's been such a pleasure to be here. This is such a and important. I have goosebumps right now because it's a conversation that we need to be having. Absolutely. Agreed. Until next time.